Veronica, thank you for that beautiful offering this morning. And again, on Sunday morning, we're having students and young adults sing and lead us in worship. And uh, I have enjoyed every single one of them. Well, uh, a preacher stepped into my office a while ago and just shocked Dickens out of me. Dr. Robert Wilburn, bless your heart, brother. Cookie, so glad to have both of you with us today. Mama's here. Mama's glad. I know, you're glad too. I know you are. It's good to have all your kids around you, isn't it? And um, he is a pastor. Those of you watching by Facebook down in Louisiana, he's located near Shaw Air Force Base, somewhere, somewhere in South Carolina. And they're right there in the heart of the best peaches in the whole world. Yeah, I just came from uh, Georgia, near Augusta there, Warren County, and we got some of those fresh. In fact, they were so good, we tried to get them back to Louisville and just gave up because they were, <laughs> they were just, that, just that good. But um, we're glad you're in Kentucky, and uh, thank you for being here t t today. I'm a little intimidated. One of the best sermons I've ever heard was when you preached your father-in-law's funeral here, Brother Blank. Um, and how you all honored him. Uh, something I will never forget as long as I live. Their children rise up and bless them, the Bible says, doesn't it? Turning your Bible to Galatians chapter 5 today. And today we're looking at uh, another fruit of the Spirit, which is goodness. Now, last Sunday I preached about patience. And I thought about it all week long. And I remembered that what I need to do is S-T-O-P, stop, think, and be a star, act responsibly. So I take a deep breath when I stop. Sometimes I even count to ten. And that helps me to be patient and realize that Jesus was most patient when he did what? Remember when he suffered before he went on the cross at the hands of those who abused him. And he was so patient because he was God in the flesh. And God is a patient God, the Bible says. And God got on that cross and hung there for us. And if Jesus can do all that for me with patience, I can wear a mask. <laughs> I can wear a mask. I can be patient with myself. I can be patient with, with uh, Miss Linda Lou. Thank you. I can be patient with all that I come in contact with because God is patient with me. And I, and I mean it when I said it last Sunday, you're the most patient church I believe I've ever seen. And I thank God for you. I really do. Today we move on to look at another fruit of the Spirit called goodness. Let's read Matthew, uh, Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, and when he names these fruit these fruit, it's all one fruit, but different ways of looking at this one fruit. Think about harvest. Think about a cluster of grapes hanging on a vine. Um, in September, it'd be muscadines. Y'all have muscadines in uh, South Carolina? Oh, I had some muscadine juice while I was in Georgia. Yeah, think of one cluster of grapes hanging down. And uh, today we pick one called goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Goodness. The title of the message today is The Fruit of the Spirit is Goodness. 
or if I could put another title to it, it would be How to Live the Good Life Today and Enjoy God's Goodness Forever. What do we mean by the word goodness? When the Bible says good, we speak of it first of all in Genesis, where God created the heavens and the earth, and when He created the world, He backed off the first day and said, It's good. And that word good, pronounced in Hebrew, tov, T-O-V, tov, good, that word good has a very special meaning. All that God created serves His purposes. And as we go through the creation story, we are the last in those six days of creation before God rested on the Sabbath. And when He created you and me, He didn't just say, it's good, He said, it's very good. Very good. God created people very good. Which gives you a clue of the meaning of goodness in the Old Testament. And goodness for us means we were created for the purposes of God. And until we surrender to God's purpose for our life, we miss the good life. The good life really is living for the purposes of of God. Now there's a man-centered view of goodness. Uh, we call good the experience of pleasure. How many of you remember the um, Pernell Country Sausage commercial? I believe it was Al Pernell down there in Shebbeville, Simpsonville really I think. What did he say? It's what? Good. Boy, that, I, you, you never forget that, do you? How many of you remember the commercials about Louisiana uh, where they were serving the food down there and this guy's looking over a big plate of pile of crawfish. It looks just like this. And his glasses fog up. You remember that? Remember that commercial? And while his glasses are fogging up, he said, Life is good. In a Cajun accent, if you will. We think about pleasure as being good. Sometimes we think about goodness as being the absence of pain. The absence of pain. If I could just get rid of what bothers me, what's hurting me right now, I would feel good again. And so we define it that way. When the word good is applied to a person, we say that person is good. Or as my daddy would say, good for nothing. <laughs> It is good for nothing. Well, that's kind of a backhanded way of saying there's no good in you. And I'm sorry we heard that kind of shame message because God wants you to hear a new message. In relationship to Jesus Christ, you can be someone that serves the purposes of God and the good of God that's in you will be lived out in your life and that's where the fun is. That's where the joy is. That's where the real life is. That's where the good life is. But every person that says, I'm a good person. In fact, when you talk to people about, if you were to stand before God on Judgment Day, and He were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? You say, well, I'm a good person. I have followed the Ten Commandments, meaning I've been pretty much moral. I don't run red lights. or uh, Sometimes I coast through a stop sign but you know I don't run red lights never been in jail etc etc so 
I, God should let me into heaven because I'm good. Uh, Jesus was confronted one time about with a, from a, from a uh, very rich young man, a ruler, someone of great power and influence, someone who had kept all of the law in his own mind. He thought he was very moral and said, Jesus, what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, be good. Keep all the Ten Commandments. Keep all the commandments. Just be good. He said, well, I got it made. I've been doing that. And Jesus said, well, well there may, may be just one thing you're missing. Come follow me. Be willing to give up all that power and money that you have and rule and authority and be a servant and be used, follow me, and be used for the purposes of God. And then he wept because he knew in his heart there was no goodness in him that would serve the purposes of God. He was selfish. He was self-righteous in assessing who he really was. Others asked Jesus, they called him good master or good rabbi, and he said, nobody's good but the Father. Why are you asking me that? Only the Father's truly good. Don't, in other words, what Jesus was saying, I think, is uh, don't try to con me with that word good and get me to condescend to your sinful self. Only the Father is truly, truly good. And then the Apostle Paul hits us real hard. There is none righteous. No, not one. And when we look around for goodness... We compare good people to other good people, good people to the rules of the day, and truth is we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of our sin is death. Oh, we can do good things, but until we serve the purposes of God, we've not yet understood what goodness is truly all about. That's the man-centered view of goodness that really helps us understand that we need the goodness of God, which is His grace and His mercy in our lives. Let's talk about the Bible view of goodness or the God-centered view of goodness. The Bible says God is good. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with a good, good God. God is good. All the time, God never changes. We change, our circumstances change, but God is always good. The psalmist said in 107 verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is tov, good. God is good all the time. I explained about the book of Genesis chapter 1. As God created the world, He pronounced that it was good. So, God is good. What God does is good in creating the good earth, the good universe. And so if God created a perfect world, God created a good universe. It was for His purposes. And I live with a family member who I love dearly called my son who has a congenital birth defect of the red blood cell. And after four open heart surgeries, People say, well, if God is a perfect God and He made a perfect world, how could that accident happen 
when the crones of, of, of the genes got together at his birth, why do accidents happen if this is a perfect world? It's a good world. I don't have the answer to that question. Someday I'll know even as I'm known. But I've come to learn that when my son at the age of about seven or eight years old said, I want to be used for the purpose of God, one day he sat across from me in the, in the living room after church and I had my newspaper up and he said, Daddy, and I said, what, son? He said, Daddy, he said, uh, someday I can see myself up there in the pulpit like you. And I put my newspaper down and I said, come over here, son, you and I need to talk. I tried my best to talk him out of it. I tried my best. But I said, son, you do what God wants you to do with his life. And now he's in near Augusta, Georgia, serving the Lord. And uh, that um, congenital birth defect does not stop him from serving the Lord. It's amazing what God will do with you if we will quit asking, why is this happening to me? And why is it everything perfect? We live on this side of Eden, east of Eden, east of the Garden of Eden. We live in a world that has been infected and affected by our sin. And because of our sin, nothing is going to work out as long as we are disconnected from the God who made us for a good purpose. So God is good, and what God does is good, and what God says is good. This is God's good, good word. You ever heard in the old days, going to preach the good word, going to read the good word? It is a good word because the psalm says 119, Thy word is good. Thy word is good. So what, who God is is good, what God does is good, what God says is good, and what God wills is good. Listen to Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable. And teleos will bring to completion what he started in you when you first got saved. Now, I used to read that as, as a young person, the perfect will of God. Am I in the perfect will of God? If I step here, am I in the perfect will of God? No, I should have gone this way. Am I in the perfect will of God? If I date this person, is that the perfect will of God? And uh, we just kind of went nuts as young people trying to figure out the perfect will of God because we didn't want to mess up what God was doing. And then later, studying the Bible a little further, I discovered that the perfect will of God means that God completes what He started in you when He saved you. And when He came into your life, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And when you serve the purposes of God, God completes what He started. So, Rote and I can say together, we're a work in progress, aren't we? Until Jesus comes back, and then we'll, we'll, it will be complete in Christ Jesus. But until then, we're growing, we're learning about good. How can I serve the purposes of God? So the third point in the first point is goodness is God's nature transforming us for His purposes. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed that you may do good for God. Jesus said it this way. Let your light shine before others, before men 
in such a way that they may see your good deeds, your good works, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We do good not to be good uh, do-gooders. We do good not to look good or to appear good to others as if we're wearing some kind of mask. That's really the Greek word, I mean, the, yeah, the Greek word for pride. You remember the Greek plays where they all put on a different mask? One, one smiley face, one a sad face, one a tragic face, etc., etc. Those masks is where we get the word pride. And, and pride is a way of preventing people from seeing the real person that we are. And when the Holy Spirit dwells in you and controls your life, for example, Paul would say in Ephesians, don't be filled with wine and be a drunkard. Because when you're filled with alcohol and filled with wine, you could say drugs, you could say anything, you're being controlled by what, you are, what has consumed you. Not what you consume, but what is controlling you and consuming you. That's why I stay away from alcohol. I don't want it to control my life. I don't want it to control my thinking. Uh, there's an alcoholic gene in both our families. And I don't want to pass that down to my children or my grandchildren. And so I stay away from it. I don't, uh, I don't pet snakes. Some people have pet snakes at home. I don't have a pet snake at home. Don't have a pet snake at home. Knew somebody one time that had uh, a pet snake, one of these that swallows alligators python kind of thing and they let it sleep with them no kidding and and this snake started crawling up beside them in the bed and then he started stretching out from head to toe and they thought this snake is ill something wrong with this snake and so they said we're going to take the snake to the vet that's why i'm not a vet either don't pet snakes and the vet said to the owner of the snake, you need to destroy that snake. I said, why? Because he's measuring you, and he's going to eat you. True story. So I don't have alcohol in my house either, because it may consume me in my weakness. Goodness is God's nature transforming us for His purposes. Let your light shine before others in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Glorify your Father who's in heaven. All right, so let's talk about what we came to hear. How to live the good life today and forever. How do we do that? Well, first of all, realize that goodness attracts goodness. Goodness attracts goodness. Richard keeps me in good shape up here. What do I mean by that? People are drawn to goodness at every level of life. People are attracted to goodness. People feel safe around good people. 
people want to have the goodness that you are living, but may be struggling to find it. There was a broadcast on CBS Evening News not quite a year ago from an African-American friend of mine who's been a minister for, we've known each other 35 years since he's been in Louisville, Kentucky. We met at Jeff Street Baptist Mission downtown. We'd go there to, it's uh, on Jeff Street in Louisville, and we'd go there once a quarter to feed breakfast, and Barry was uh, preaching to whoever showed up for breakfast. And we've been close friends ever since. He's had a gift for cooking. I mean, he's quite a fabulous cook. He owns, you ever heard of Barry's Cheesesteaks? Barry's Cheesesteaks in Louisville? I mean, if you went to the Man Up conference where he was the guest speaker, that was in Litchfield just a few months ago. Well, Barry was doing what Barry does, having been saved on the streets of Philadelphia, addicted to drugs, shot a few times, cut several times, survived all that, was saved, and came down here to Kentucky. And uh, somebody picked it up on the evening news in the community where Barry's church was, and one of the, one of the uh, Barry's cheesesteaks was, was located near Oak Street in Louisville. Uh, an adult was walking down the street, and uh, two boys was harassing that adult, and Barry's not scared of anybody. When you grow up in the streets of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in drug-infested neighborhood, selling drugs, taking drugs, you, you're not scared of anybody. And he walked up to those boys and said, y'all come down, I got something for you. They were more afraid of Barry than they were of the police. He just talked to them direct. And those two boys came out of that apartment, came downstairs to the street. And one of the ministries of Barry's cheesesteaks is to teach young people how to work, how to be people of integrity, how to find worth and value through work. And he offered them a job. And he said, if you're willing to work with me, I will not call the cops. Sounded like a good deal, those boys. Somebody picked that up, and it was on the CBS Evening News in a little one-minute segment. CBS Evening News. Now tell me that goodness um, does not attract goodness and makes others want to be good like you. Good conscience, the Bible says, requires a spiritual discipline. In our walk with the Lord, if we are to be good, we must allow the good shepherd to control our life and be with us. And Paul said to young Timothy, the aim of this instruction, the aim of this teaching that I'm sending to you in this letter is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So as the Apostle Paul was mentoring young Timothy, he was saying to him, the goal that God has for you, what I'm trying to get through to you, young minister, is that inside of you be the goodness of God. And when the goodness of God through Jesus Christ is living inside of you, you're going to be a disciplined follower of Christ. And God can use you for His purposes. 
And the goodness that comes out in you, which brings out all the other characters, characteristics of the Holy Spirit's presence, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control, all are evident when Christ is controlling you. So, Paul would say, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God control you, and that requires some discipline. And the discipline is, I need to spend some time with Christ every day. And are you doing that? The less time you spend with Jesus, the less goodness shows through you to other people. The more time you're spending with Jesus in reflection and prayer, the more people are seeing the goodness of God lived out through your life. Goodness attracts goodness. You want to hang out, find good friends? The Bible says be a friend. Be a good person. Be Jesus to others. In fact, there should be some inward goodness in you and me that prompts us to always do good. Much like the Hippocratic oath that doctors take, do no harm. First and foremost, do no harm. Goodness attracts goodness. You want to be around good people? Act good. Be good. And let the good shepherd live through you. Goodness attracts goodness. Secondly, goodness is generous. Goodness is always generous. The good life comes through a stewardship of all things that God has given. And when we devote our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we become a steward of His blessings. In fact, we become lavish onto others with the blessings that God has given us. One of the best Examples I know in the Bible is the woman who anointed the hair of Jesus before he was crucified when he was with his disciples. She poured upon him a complete alabaster of the best wine. It may have been a family heirloom and she gave that and offered it to Jesus. And what did the disciples say? What a waste. That money could have been used for, 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 but we're giving it for the purposes of God. What a waste. When we extend the goodness of God to other people that are under our care, we are more like the good shepherd than anyone else. James Forbes once said, no one gets into heaven without a letter of recommendation from the poor. I think that's a good quote. No one gets into heaven without a recommendation letter from the poor. Jesus said, if you love me, you will hang out with those who are less fortunate than you. And you will bless them. You will be good to them. You will be kind to them. You will show them goodness and you will be merciful. And you have to be merciful and good to all sorts of people. People you like and people you don't like. People you disagree with. Uh, people you're in a debate with. People you're in an argument with. You must be good if the Good Shepherd lives in you and me. Remember, 
The Bible says it rains. God is good to all of us. It rains on the just and the unjust. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Goodness is always generous. Third and finally, goodness is a powerful gospel testimony. Goodness portrays the gospel to those that we are good to because God is good to us. Remember the story in the book of Joshua of the woman who was a prostitute that lived in the walls of Jericho. Her family lived with her, but that's how she made a living. As people came and went, that provided a living for her family. And the word came that the Israelites were approaching Jericho, and they knew what happened, the stories that happened down in the wilderness and God's miracles and how they conquered other enemies and how they crossed the, the Jordan River and they're headed this away, they're going to conquer us. And she hid them. She hid these two spies. Because the word got to the commander of Jericho, the king, and said, uh, troublemakers are here. God's people are just outside the gates. And we've got to get rid of these spies. And they talked to the prostitute Rahab and said where'd they go where are they we heard they came to your place she said they went that way I think believe they're over yonder all the time she put them up on the roof and hid them under some hay and the next day they said thank you for saving us and thank you for being good to us and when we come to conquer the walls of Jericho hang that scarlet thread out the window and when you hang that scarlet thread out the window All the troops that are coming in will know to leave you alone and to rescue you. What a great picture and great image of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The red blood of the Lord Jesus on that cross as he hung for us. And those who would believe in him and trust in him will be rescued from the oncoming judgment that it's headed our way even today. The judgment of God may come today. The judgment of God upon our world. It's I don't know how much more... A groaning and moaning this world can take before Jesus bursts through the clouds. And when he comes, you won't see it on CNN. You won't hear about it on the radio. You won't hear about it on the internet. It won't be on your cell phone. It will happen just like that. And those who are dead in Christ will be the first to rise. We will have a, they will have a resurrection body just like Jesus had. And those of us who are alive and remain and when he comes will be transformed into this same spiritual resurrection body. And thus we shall be with the Lord always and forever the good life for all of eternity. So this gospel testimony means that while we're still here, we treat others good. That includes justice. That includes benevolence. That includes friendliness. That includes generosity wherever we can. When we are good for the purposes of God, we bring credibility to the gospel of Jesus Christ. People don't care what we say we believe. People care about how much we love them and care for them then they will want to know the good one in us, Jesus Christ. I think about Barnabas in the New Testament. Barnabas had the ministry of introduction. He was always introducing. He introduced 
Paul to the church. They were scared to death of him. But Barnabas said, it's okay. He's changed. He's not who he used to be. He's not the murderer. He's not the, um, uh, the, um, um, the wild, um, the word won't come to me right now, but when somebody's um, a terrorist, he was a terrorist. He really was. And Barnabas said, he's not a terrorist anymore. I know this man. We went fishing together. If you want to know somebody, you go fishing with them. Isn't that right? I went fishing with him. And we've been talking about the Lord, and he's okay. And later on, the Holy Spirit, which came down in Jerusalem, uh, when Stephen was stoned, the Word of God went north, back up to, way up there to Antioch, and the Jews thought, well, you know, we're the only ones going to get the Holy Ghost, and we're the only ones going to be saved. And sure enough, the Word of God was going out up north to Antioch, and they were receiving the same Holy Spirit and the same transformation. And who did they send to Antioch to check it out? Barnabas. Barnabas. And here was his report. The Bible says, When he arrived in Antioch and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with a firm resolve of the heart. Hear this. Hear this. Listen. Why did Barnabas have such a high, creditable reputation in the early church in its most divisive time? This, this idea that the gospel is not just for Jews, but it's for all who will believe. Yes, those Gentiles, the people the Pharisees and Sadducees called dogs. Yes, God is good to them too, and He wants them to be saved too. He wants them to know His goodness. And Barnabas said, God's up there at work in Antioch. Why did they believe him? Why was he seen to be so trustworthy? Because it says in the book of Acts, he was a good man. He was a good man. He wasn't just morally good. He was a man who served the purposes of God. Through a ministry of introduction, he introduced Paul to the world. He introduced Jesus to the world. And when it came for the gift of discernment to know that the Holy Spirit was at work in Antioch, like the Holy Spirit had been at work down in J Jerusalem as well, they said, he's got to be right, for this is a good man full of the Holy Spirit. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit are used for God's purposes. And goodness is an indication that you're being used for the purposes of God. Full of a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And then the Bible says large numbers were added to the Lord. And the disciples were first called Christians in Jerusalem, in the home church. No. The gospel had to get out of Jerusalem first. And they were called Christians first at Antioch. Because they acted like Christians. They acted like little Christs. That's what the word Christian means. Little Christ running around all over the place. And I can just see Akron Baptist Church leaving here today being little Christ running around Meade County, Breckenridge County, Jefferson County, Kentucky, back to South Carolina, and all the 
thousands that you all minister to in that Shaw Air Base area, my goodness what a ministry you have there and have had for a long, long time. We just go do good for somebody. I said it gives credibility to the gospel, and I also said it gives us courage. It took courage for Barnabas to get up there to, to Antioch and say, the Lord's here too. Because he, the Jerusalem council of the Pharisees, not the Pharisees, but the new saved Jews said, nah, ain't no way. And Barnabas said, it is. You needed courage to preach like that. You needed courage to preach the gospel like that. The gospel was for everybody, not just for a few. So Paul would write in Galatians chapter 6 here, let's not get tired of doing good. Let's not get tired of cleaning the church after our own selves. You know, when you leave here today, pick up something. Let's don't get tired of, of um, uh, going to this and having to do that for the Lord. Let us not tire of doing what's good. At the just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those who are the family of faith. If you got any green beans left over, I'll take them. Family of faith, get it? Just kidding. So in summary, God serves, a goodness serves the purposes of God. Goodness attracts goodness. Goodness is always generous. Goodness is a powerful gospel witness. And one day, there will be a new heaven and a new good earth. And when we stand before the Lord, for those who have the good shepherd living in them, we will hear these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Will you bow with me as we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for your goodness in us that transforms us for your purposes. It brings credibility to our struggling life that the gospel would be clear, that the gospel would not be mixed with, with our poor testimony but with a good conscience because we're doing good things out of a goodness of a heart that's been transformed. Lord, put in our mind right now one good thing that we need to be doing. Father, I pray if there's one here this morning that has not received the Good Shepherd, Jesus, and wants to follow Christ and live the good life for eternity, I pray they'll come forward today and give their life to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. You're good all the time. When I don't understand the bad that's happening to me and I'm having to endure, you never change. You're a good, good Father. Lord, bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.